In the timeline of urban legends, today's subject is just an infant. Having first appeared on June 10th, 2009, today's topic is one of the newest entries into the cultural zeitgeist. But in just a little over a decade, he has gone on to become a pop cultural phenomenon, inspiring movies, video games, and countless YouTube videos claiming to show actual sightings of the sensational being. And while most people understand that he is a fictional character, there are some who truly believe that this enigmatic figure is quite real. And that belief has led to some devastating results. Today, on Two Towns Over, we look at the origin, the myth, and the horrible actions of those who believe in the Slender Man. Hey everybody, welcome to the first episode of Two Towns Over. I'm Don. And I'm Ruben. And we are without Ethan today, but he will be joining us eventually. In this show, we are going to dissect, delve into, and discuss various urban legends, their origins, and occasionally the bad stuff that happens because of them. I'm here because I don't know anything about urban legends, really, especially American ones. I'm that kind of nerd, yes. (laughs) And... So, you know, I'm excited to learn about people doing horrible shit because the internet or a story told them to. <laughs> well, it makes you better, feel better. We will be doing um, Asian urban legends. We'll be going around the world. It's not just America. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm just really bad at retaining information about urban legends. Okay. Well, as we said today in the intro, today's topic, our first topic, is going to be the wonderful... Slender Man. I know a little bit about Slender Man, and that is uh, if you if he's chasing you in the woods, mm-hmm. you got to find like eight notes, right? And then you can escape, except that he'll still kill you, right? Well, that's what I know about Slender Man. That's from the game, right? I think so. Yes. Yeah. Eight pages, I think. I'm pretty sure I have. I don't even know what it's called. <laughs> it's yeah, Slender Eight Pages or something. All right. Well, so Slender Man first appeared on June 10th, 2009 in an online forum called Something Awful. The thread was a Photoshop contest to see who could create the most interesting supernatural images. The creator of Slender Man was a man by the name of Eric Knudsen. Using the pseudonym Victor Surge, he posted two black and white photos of children with a tall spectral man in a black suit behind them. First of all, Victor Surge is a dope name. (laughs) But unlike the other entries, Surge added text underneath. Under the first pic, which shows a group of kids walking in what appears to be a summer camp style setting. It's legit creepy, you guys. There's like a kid. I'm just going to describe this first part of the image here. There's two halves of the image, kind of. There's like a regular playground part of the image. But on the other half, there's a kid who's like angrily mean mugging the camera. There's like a pair of scared-looking kids behind that, and then there's a group of vaguely blurry children, and like in the middle of this crowd of kids is just like proto Slenderman. If you know what Slenderman looks like, he basically looks like a uh, Agent Forty Seven from without but, a face, but stretched out and with no face, except that here it appears as though. His neck is the only thing that's stretched out, and it's the creepiest shit I've ever seen. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, underneath that picture was the fray or the the uh, caption: "We didn't want to go, we didn't want to kill them, but its persistent silence and outstretched arms horrified and comforted us at the same time." Nineteen eighty three photograph unknown presumed dead. Oh, I hate it. 
<laughs> oh, 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 oh. Hey, in the second uh, in the pic- other picture that he's about to talk about that I said was a normal picture of a playground, except for the fact that I just now noticed from zooming in that there is a Slender Man, but it's like a man with no face in the background. He's very tall, and he's got tendrils, you guys. Yep. So underneath that one, it says, one of two recovered photographs from the Sterling City Library blaze. Notable for being taken on the day which 14 children vanished and for what is referred to as the Slender Man. Deformity cited as film defects by officials. Fire at library occurred one week later. Actual photograph confiscated as evidence. 1986, photographer Mary Thomas, missing since June 13th, 1986. That's smart, though, that he went that far back. He was like, it was the 80s. Yeah. It was the 80s. Um, Yeah, it was really smart of him to go to the 80s or whatever of like, this is a time when film was still a thing. (laughs) It's not not the 2000s when I first made this. Right. These snippets of text effectively turned the photos into works of fiction, much like the children's book, The Mysteries of Harris Burdick. Have you ever heard of that book? I have not, actually. That is an amazing book. What's it about? It's a uh, 1984 picture book by an American author named Chris Van Allsburg, who is also known he wrote The Polar Express. Okay, yeah. Um, now, this book uh, consisted of a series of images ostensibly created by a guy named Harris Burdick. Or Burdick, I'm sorry. Uh, a man who was who has mysteriously disappeared. Each image is accompanied by a little a title, and a single line of text. Mm-hmm. So like the like I, a, like an image macro, right? But the idea is is that you look at the story, the picture, you look at the text, you look at the title, and you write a story around it. Right. Yeah. Like, like a fanfic. Right. Basically. Of a picture of a meme. The one that I remember the most. The, hey a, guys, we've always been this way. <laughs> The one I remember most, there was a picture of a guy who was holding a chair over his head, and there was a, like a rug, uh-huh. and there was a bump under the rug, and I think I think the title was Under the Rug, I think, uh-huh. and the caption said, all was quiet, but then a few days later, it happened again. That was that was everything you had to go on. Yeah, that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good, yeah. uh, it's a really cool concept, I like that. So, um, so as a result of this. Um, many other people on the internet began to add on and expand on the story of Slenderman and turn what was originally a mysterious enigmatic figures. So basically they, they did SCP before SCP was a thing. Right. And guys, I only know that as secure containment protocols, I only know that because of like videos like the game theory ones. (laughs) I don't know shit about shit. All I know is that it was like an open source thing that people added. You get it. Yeah. So by doing this, it turned what was originally a mysterious enigmatic figure into something that took on a life and legacy all its own. This is how oral traditions work, guys. Mm -hmm. This is like actually really cool. Yeah, it's the urban legend. That's how urban legends start. So for weeks, Surge continued posting doctored photos, newspaper clippings, and child drawings of Slenderman, gradually pulling other users into the myth. They contributed their own photoshops and stories, drawing parallels to older legends and nudging the story along. By mid-June, the thread was solely devoted to developing the myth of Slenderman, which now, at least according to one authority, authoritative PDF, runs 194 pages. Wow. Because Slenderman was developed collaboratively by a community of anonymous contributors, that mythos is spotted and varied, but much like a more organic urban legend would be. Like every good urban legend is exactly what I was about to say. Like. It's confusing, and no one knows exactly what the hell the the myths are, and that's why it's cool. Right. In some stories, Slenderman has multiple arms like tentacles, 
and in some he has no extra appendages at all. Sometimes he seems to kill his victims themselves in vague, mysterious ways that the faux news stories and police reports never seem to specify before disemboweling them and bagging their organs. That's weird. Yeah. I'd never heard that about Slenderman no. before. Other times, Slenderman somehow compels his victims to kill each other. That's normal. I a, get that part. Yeah, a particularly grim plot line given the recent attack in Wisconsin, which we will get to in a moment. Yep, because I have no idea what he's talking about right now. In one of the faux news stories, a horse farmer named Ted Henderson shoots his wife in the chest at the Slender Man's behest, only explaining the crime to his psychiatrist at a mental institution three years later. Ran. Ran inside. Got gun. Tracy crying. Judy screaming. R ran to them. He had them. Was holding them. Who had them? Skinny fella. Suit. Looking at me. Judy screaming. Shoot me. Shoot me. Shoot me. Tracy, the couple's six-year-old daughter, is never found. So the vagueness, the infinite mutability and the fuzzy details, the ability to adapt Slenderman to just about any time and place, is a large part of what pushed the story off the Something Awful forums and into the internet mainstream. Slenderman gradually spread onto other niche forums like 4chan's Paranormal Board. From there, it would inspire a popular horror web series called Marble Hornets, which if you ever get a chance... Marble to, Hornets? Marble Hornets. If you ever get a chance to watch it, it's on YouTube. Hmm. It's based... If, if, if you can handle the Blair Witch Project... I've never seen it, but it's not, you know... It's... Well, but you know, any found footage movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's shot kind of as a found footage. And the idea behind it is, is there was this guy who was a student filmmaker was making a movie called Marble Hornets. Mm -hmm. And slowly, Slender Man started to affect him. And a year later, his friend who was in the movie with him found all these tapes. And But in that, it's not called Slender Man. He's called The Operator. But it's a really, really cool. I think it was like a series. It ran for three seasons, but it's not that many episodes. Yeah, it says I actually just looked it up. It said it this the first thing about Slender Man happened uh, June what like tenth? You said yeah. This came out on June twentieth, so ten days later. Yeah, a web series dedicated. That's how fast this stuff spreads, you guys. Yep. Several indie video games and an untold trove of sub memes and fan art as well as earning prominent pages on Wikipedia and Creepypasta, a site dedicated to internet horror, horror stories. I heard of Creepypasta. Yeah, we'll, be, we'll be dealing with some Creepypastas. Yeah. Knudsen was inspired to create the Slender Man primarily by Zach Parsons' That Insidious Beast, Stephen King's The Mist, reports of Shadow People, The Mothman, mm -hmm. The Mad Gasser of Mattoon. Which Never heard like of that a, guy. That sounds like a wrestler. I haven't sounds, heard of he either. sounds like a Nazi. I'm the Mad Son Gasser. The Mad Gasser of what? Mattoon. The Mad Gasser of Mattoon sounds like a Nazi zombie scientist <laughs> or something. Um, like if Dr. Wiley became a zombie Nazi, that's what he would be called. The Mad Gasser of whatever the fuck. Mattoon. Mattoon. Other inspirations for the character was the tall man from the 1979 film Phantasm. That makes sense. H.P. Lovecraft. The surrealist work of William S. Burroughs and the survival horror video games Silent Hill and Resident Evil. Knudsen's intention was to formulate something whose motivations can barely be comprehended and which caused unease and terror in a gener general population. Other pre-existing fictional or legendary creatures which are similar to the Slender Man include Men in Black, hmm. many accounts of which grant them an uncanny appearance with an unnatural walk and oriental features. Are we talking about Men in Black, the, the movie? No, no, no. The actual urban legend of men in black that the movie is based loosely off of like a 
There's like a real urban legend about yes. government assassins who assassinate aliens. Mm-hmm. That's dope. Yeah. Oh, we'll do it. That's one of the. Hell yeah, we'll do that. What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, so uh, also included the question, which is a DC comic superhero with a blank face. I knew that guy. Whose secret identity is Victor Sage, a name similar to Knudsen's alias Victor Surge. So that's just kind of a brief synopsis of where Slenderman came from and his origins. Uh, I will admit I didn't find out until doing this and writing it up. It is two words, Slender Man. Yeah. I was doing Slenderman. Slenderman. Which I guess is a supernatural Jewish lawyer. (laughs) My name is Joel Slenderman. (laughs) And I want to save you. Does that count as anti-Semitism? Because I really hope not. No. I mean, it's... No, because we didn't say that, you know, the Jews are killing everybody. That's good. Yeah. That's he's good. Just a, he's, just a, he's just a Jewish lawyer, and that's it. Yes. That's it. Yes. Hey, stop it. <laughs> All right. So anyway, that is a very succinct, like I said, that web series that you just talked about, the uh, Marble Hornets, Hornets mm-hmm. was... June 20th, 2009, the first appearance, uh, the first thing about Slenderman was June 10th, 2009, which means that within 10 days, a random, at least one random person on the internet dedicated time to filming a thing to put online about this. Yeah. That's how far this spreads and how quickly. Mm-hmm. So it's actually kind of amazing. If you if you get around to watching Marble Hornets, I highly recommend finding one that is like all the episodes together or, you know, where you can do like like a playlist a, a playlist. Yeah, because there are certain parts within it where there's weird transmissions from the operator and they kind of flow in the story. Yeah. So they're not all that first person. Sometimes there's these weird how I will. Sometimes I wonder about stuff like that, whether I should watch it as the way it was released, as in, was this all dropped at once in a big playlist, or did they release it weekly, or was it like once here, and then some here, and then some here? I think it was released weekly. Okay. So. But that's the question is, do should I watch, to get a better experience, to get the better horror experience, because I'm not like a horror person, it's all pretty, like unless it's very, very well done. Horror is one of those things that just I get bored by. Right. Um, And I don't know why that is. It just is. You know, some people get bored by politics and other people don't. Some people get bored by fantasy and so on and so forth. My one is horror. And so if I want the best experience, should I watch it one episode a week or should I dump it all at one time to get a better like to to kind of get more into it, I guess. Um, it depends because I know that sometimes there are episodes where nothing really happens. Okay. Um, and then there are some times where something happens, but. So you think binge it eh, as in to you. watch you, a, an episode or two a day yeah, or something? Yeah. I wouldn't sit down and watch every, cause I want to say it's like almost three hours worth of. That's a long time. Yeah. So, and like I said, there's sometimes where nothing's happening. It's a yeah. first person, first person shooter. It's a. Found footage movie. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, walking through the woods and nothing's happening. You hear the guy cough. That's about it. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, if you start getting bored with it, put it down, walk away a couple days. Word up. So, so now we're going to actually get into the meat of the story, which is uh, the Slenderman stabbings. So, so just for a little context, I know that 
some teenagers stabbed a friend of theirs about Slenderman. Mm-hmm. That is as much as I know about this story. So we're about to learn some things. Okay. So on May 30th, 2014, so five years after Slenderman. Five years after Slenderman. Uh, in Waukesha, Wisconsin, 12-year-old Peyton Lautner joined fellow 12-year-old Morgan Geyser and Anissa Weir to celebrate Morgan's birthday by Did having... I say teenagers? I meant children. Yes. <laughs> To celebrate Morgan's birthday by having a sleepover at Morgan's house. That night was like any other preteen's birthday, skating at the local rink, cake, ice cream, and typical childhood games. The next morning, the girls decided to go play at a nearby park. A short time later, Morgan and Anissa convinced Peyton to play hide-and-seek in the adjacent woods. A few minutes later, Peyton was pinned to the ground by Morgan, who then proceeded to stab her a total of 19 times God damn! in the arms, legs, and torso with a five-inch-long kitchen knife. What the fuck? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Left for dead by her two best friends. What to- the fuck? First of all, <laughs> did you... Okay, hold on. Hold on, please. Because now I need to know, does it explain... Do they say why? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. keep going. This is damn. just kind of a synopsis, and That's then we'll actually get into the details. violent. Yeah. Left to die by her two best friends. That is some prison level shit. Yeah. Uh, That's some, you snitch on me, you're going to get shanked, nigga. And you got shanked too. Like, (laughs) damn. Peyton managed to drag herself to the edge of the woods before collapsing. A cyclist spotted her and called 911. Peyton was rushed to the hospital and amazingly survived her injuries. Two of the stab wounds were serious. One piercing her diaphragm, injuring her stomach and liver. The other wound came within a millimeter of piercing a major artery in her heart. Jesus Christ. If that had happened, Peyton would have died within minutes. Thank God for, hey, listen, for real though, I'm not like a God person, but thank whatever you think is the high power in this universe for uh, cyclists and joggers, because you motherfuckers find all kinds of people before they die, like for real, like for real, for real. Sometimes it gets a little suspicious though. I mean, but listen... (laughs) They find they find all of it because that's they want to be away from us. That's why. Yeah. I get it. I get it. You guys live your dreams of being the first jogger in your town to find a dead body that year. Because <laughs> it ain't going to be for the next year because they've already found it. Like, <laughs> So what would lead two 12-year-old girls who up to that point showed no signs that they were capable of something this horrible to commit such a heinous attack? I'm literally thinking that probably they did show, show signs. And their parents ignored those signs. But, like, <laughs> honestly, I can't even imagine what a 12-year-old would get that angry about. Oh, they weren't angry. But we'll get to that. Well, according to the two girls, it was Slenderman. When Peyton was in fourth grade, her and Morgan Geyser became best friends. According to Peyton, she first approached Morgan because she was sitting alone. How old are you in fourth grade? Uh, Eight, I think. Okay. Eight or nine. Okay. Uh, she approached Morgan because Morgan was sitting alone. After that, the pair took up like all best friends. They hung out after school, had sleepovers, and joked like little girls do. Morgan even gave Peyton a sweet nickname of Bella. Who got stabbed again? Peyton. Peyton got stabbed. Morgan stabbed. No. Uh, yeah, Morgan stabbed. Morgan helped I think. with the stabbing. I can't remember now. I think it said Morgan. Uh, proceeded to stab. Okay, Morgan, yeah. She was my only friend for a long time, Morgan said to police in her taped confession. But according to Peyton, when they entered the sixth grade, Morgan met Anissa Weir and things went downhill. Hmm. Anissa lived in the same housing complex as Morgan, Sunset Apartments on Big Ben Road, and rode the school bus with her every day. Morgan and Anissa met at the school bus stop and their friendship blossomed on the ride to and from school. 
The previous year, Anissa's parents had gotten divorced, and she was still reeling and feeling depressed. Her extended family is large, and her relationship with the adults in her life, with her father especially, had been sustaining. She was having a hard time adjusting to the rupture in her world. Anissa's mother, Christy, worked in the night shift, Anissa told police, and would pick her up at the bus stop after school and keep her until William, Anissa's father, came to get her after work. Psychologists who have testified on Anissa's behalf say her parents are well-meaning but had no idea what kind of trouble she was in. Anissa and Peyton knew each other, but Morgan was what they had in common. Each would have said that Morgan was her closest friend. At school, Anissa was an outsider, and Morgan, fantasist, who made up stories in her head. Peyton was the most social of the three. She had a reputation as a pleaser, but as a group, there was not. these were not the most popular girls at Horning Middle School. One Horning mother called... No one is the most popular girl at Horning Middle School. <laughs> I'm the most popular girl there, and I don't even go there. That's how that works. That's how middle school is. Um, one home Horning mother called them misfits, not girly girls, maybe a little immature. They were not much interested in boys or bands or in trying out for the prize-winning dance team. Only in stabbing. <laughs> For some reason, all they cared about was knives, said their moms. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Teachers regarded Morgan as odd. She referred to herself as creepy. And in one of those notes found in her room, she describes herself as a mental case. Aw, a baby goth. (laughs) In the time since her arrest, she has been examined by a number of psychiatrists and psychologists who have concluded that she is mentally ill, like likely schizophrenic. No way. Yeah. You would think, I mean... No, I mean, no way, as in, of course, that's what they would say. That's what they always say. (laughs) Uh, An extremely rare diagnosis for a 12-year-old, and though none of the experts who have testified on her behalf in hearings have found evidence of malingering, which is a term psychologists use for faking it, there are those in town who wonder if there isn't a theatrical aspect with her strangeness as well. During a court hearing in June... She's 12 at this point? Um... Yeah, she was 12 when she did the stabbing, yeah. So, yeah, of course there's an aspect of fakeness to it. She's 12. Well. That's what 12-year-olds are doing. That's what they're doing is they're figuring out their lives. And occasionally, uh, some of them don't figure it out fast enough and end up stabbing someone, apparently. (laughs) Apparently. During the court hearing in June, Jill Wiedenbaum, the teacher, testified that Morgan sometimes engaged in inappropriate attention-seeking behavior. She would bark like a dog or catch insects and fling them at classmates. That's either class clown. That's like neglect and or autism at work. Um, Deadass. That's really, that's like ADHD, autism, being on the spectrum, or like, you know, you're not getting enough attention at home or something. That's what that is. Um, Watch the first season of Naruto. uh, Naruto. (laughs) Um, In sixth grade, Weedenbaum was concerned enough to talk to Morgan's mother. In January, Morgan was briefly suspended for bringing a hammer to school, but compared to the kind of misbehavior familiar to middle school administrators, Morgan's eccentricities seemed benign. Yeah, I know very many kids who brought hammers and things to school. I was one of them. I don't even know why. I just thought hammers were cool at the time. I don't know. Shit was weird back then. She had an above average IQ. Her grades were fine. She was responsive, curious, and a gifted artist. Sometimes she doodled or appeared distracted, but she did her homework on time. Morgan could almost seem bullying in her weirdness. Anissa's thin skin, said someone who was met her. She once slapped a classmate for using a racial epithet. 
Morgan's over-the-top creativity must have appealed to Anissa, but perhaps she also saw in Morgan a vulnerability that gave her a sense of purpose. I stand up for her every now and then because Morgan's like a prime target for bullies at school, she told the police. One time a boy got too close to Morgan and I kind of didn't like it, so I punched him kind of hard. He kind of started crying. In the very first moments of her interview, before she began recounting the events of the day, Anissa warned the detective about Morgan's oddities. Like a worried mother giving fair warning to a child's new teacher, she can be a little dopey and forget what she's saying in the middle of a sentence a lot, she said, because, like, she says she hears voices, too. Real quick, how real, okay, as not the Slender Man part, clearly, but how real are these events? This is a thing that happened for real. yes. Like a real little girl really stabbed her friend and then really said some of this shit. Yes. That's wild. (laughs) So Anissa told police she first encountered Slenderman as a secondary character in a Minecraft video. Hell yeah, she did. (laughs) A character called the Enderman. Yes, she did. Which is a character that teleports around the world and only attacks you when you look at him and is said to be based loosely on the Slenderman. He looks... They're so cute. (laughs) Uh, A friend pointed her to... Creepypasta, a collection of user-generated horror fan sites in which written, photoshopped, and videotaped accounts of encounters with monsters and supernatural evil are presumed as quote-unquote real in the form of encyclopedia entries, testimonials, and other quote-unquote documentary evidence. Hmm. There, Anissa was drawn to Slenderman, but also to Zygo, or Zalgo, a super evil entity, and to Jeff the Killer, an ever-smiling ghoul said to be based on an actual child murderer. That's what... Jeff the Killer and Zalgo? Yeah. I've never heard of these things. I've heard of Jeff the Killer. I haven't heard of Zalgo. What is Jeff the Killer? Just briefly. Jeff the Killer, and we'll probably do him because he is supposed to be based on a real person, is a guy who, when he was a kid, he bullies bleached his face mm. or bleached his skin somehow and mm-hmm. cut off his nose or something. Mm-hmm. And so he cut oh, okay. the ever smiling. If you see him, he'll tell you to go to sleep, and that's when he kills you. Okay. Yeah. It's, it was Jeff's realness and news accounts on Creepypasta establishing his bona fides that made her think that Slenderman might really exist. We got our hopes up, she told police. According to the mythology, Slenderman is a lurker. He's everywhere, Morgan told police. He is almost always depicted around children, though whether he is merely observing the, the misfortunes that befall them or causing them to happen can be unclear. I really like the idea that slender man is not killing kids he's actually there maybe not to save them because that's a little too cliche but he's just like a force in the world in the universe that like has to be there maybe he's like the thing that leads the kids to the next stage of whatever the fuck but like i like the idea that he is a natural phenomenon that just has to be around when bad shit is about to happen to kids and it has nothing to do with him yeah because then He's basically like a hurricane. No, not even then. He's like wind. He's just like the wind. It's like, well, the wind has to be here because of reasons, you know, movement and such and things. But like, it it just is there. Right. I just think that's an interesting idea of having a monster that is not actively aggressive towards people. That would be, uh, there is a monster, like it's called the Mothman. Yeah, but the Mothman is He's sometimes like depicted a... as like helpful to people as well. Oh, I think. I know he's he's mostly he's more of a 
I can't think of the word where he's kind of announcing that there's something bad about to like happen. Like a prophet or a seer. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. Um, so um, some legends say he's an abductor or a kidnapper. Others say he disembowels his victims. Uh, Slenderman can invade one's thoughts and cause slender sickness, which includes nausea and coughing up blood. Word. Insanity and scribbling in an incessant compulsion to draw and write. Okay. In Morgan's bedroom, in addition to Mad Libs, investigators found more than 50 drawings referring explicitly to Slenderman, scrawled with slogans in all capital letters like Never Alone and He Still Sees You. Many of them deploying the operator symbol, a circle covered by an X, which is supposed to either fend off Slenderman or draw him near. That's where the operator thing I was telling you about with Marble Hornets. That, mm-hmm. that symbol shows up in Marble Hornets. Gotcha. Oper- like the literal... The circle with an X in it, like a don't do this. Yeah. Like the X-Men X. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Anissa says that she was introduced to Mor- uh, introduced Morgan to Slenderman around October of 2000. What's that called again? It's called a what again? The symbol? It's the operator symbol. The operator? Why is that called the operator symbol? Do we know? Mm-mm. Mm. No. I'm sure it's, it might be mentioned more points. It's been years since I watched Marble Hornets. Give us two seconds, because now I have to know. <laughs> operator... Anissa said she introduced Morgan to Slenderman around October 2013. At the time, all three girls were in their first year at a new middle school. Anissa and Morgan were socially isolated, but Peyton was a social butterfly, according to those who knew her. In her interview, Morgan acknowledged Peyton's role as her social lifeline. She was my only friend, she said, for a long time. Even so, she said she found her gullible. Morgan and Anissa became obsessed with Slenderman, which scared Peyton, but she said she went along with it anyway. Morgan liked it, and I thought and thought it was real. She said, "But I went along with it. I support. I was supportive because I thought that's what she liked." Weirin Geyser initially planned to attack Lautner on May thirtieth, two thousand fourteen. Whoa, 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 hold on. Who and who? Morgan uh, Weirin Geyser, their last names. Okay, got yeah, it. Yeah, I'm sorry. So Morgan and Anissa planned on attacking Peyton, Peyton on October May th- 20, 30th, 2014. <clears throat> the reason is because the girls wanted to become proxies for Slenderman. Slender proxies are characters human connected con- are the characters human connection to the world. They are ordered to carry out tasks for him according to the Creepypasta Compendium. Before I begin, I would like to give you some advice, the author wrote. If you want to become a proxy, make sure you're ready for anything. Once you become a slender proxy, there's no turning back. Anissa told Geyser that if they did not kill Peyton, Slenderman would kill their families. The complaint said killing Lochner seemed necessary, she said. They planned to tape the victim's mouth shut, stab her in the neck, and flee. They did not carry out that attack We're in, because Weir and Geyser believed were believed to be too tired or too groggy. The morning of May 31st, the girls played dress-up. May 31st is the, the day of, or the day at the morning of the stabbing. Yeah. So they had planned to kill her overnight during the sleepover. Okay. And then cover the body and leave. But they chose not to. Mm, I wonder why. <laughs> um, so the morning of May 31st, the girls played dress-up, each girl acting out her own avatar. Morgan dressed up as Data from Star Trek, The Next Generation. Peyton dressed up as a princess in pink, and Anissa as a prostitroll, a character of her own creation and sort of inappropriate, Morgan commented later. 
There were donuts and strawberries for breakfast. These are 12-year-olds, guys. Yeah. Um, then Morgan asked her mom if they could go outside and play. As the girls set out for David's park, Peyton walked ahead and Morgan and Nisa lagged behind. It was then that Morgan pulled up to the left side of her white and black plaid jacket to show Anissa what she had taken from her kitchen. A thin knife, the kind you use for cutting vegetables or steak. Anissa said with a, with a black candle and a gray stripe. Anissa and Morgan gave each other sidelong glances. I thought, dear God, this is really happening, Anissa later told police. All the months of fantasizing coming down to this day. On the northeastern edge of the park was a public restroom. It was here that Anissa and Morgan first attempted to attack Peyton, figuring it was private and there was a drain for the floor to catch in the floor to catch the blood. There was a tussle in which Morgan tried to restrain Peyton, and another moment when Anissa half-heartedly pushed Peyton's head against the brick wall. But Morgan fell apart just then, pacing and singing, and Anissa sent Peyton outside to play while she comforted Morgan, petting her, she said, like a cat. It was Anissa's idea to go play hide-and-seek in the woods that formed the far boundary of the park. Once Morgan was calm, the three girls headed there. It's hard to understand Peyton's decision to stick with her friends. I was just about to say that. <laughs> I was literally just about to say what I don't understand is why, like I was kind of grappling with that. Why would she have stayed with those friends, except for the fact that she's an outsider and she thinks these are her only friends. Right. So, like, imagine if you can person who's listening to a true crime basically podcast like they were an outsider they they didn't have any friends and they thought that's what friendship was supposed to be like why wouldn't they stick around when they think those things <clears throat> why after having been assaulted by them in the bed bathroom she thought hide and seek might be a fun thing to do though she might have interpreted the bathroom attack as just a mean episode of imaginary play mm -hmm. and it's possible that at the time anisa and morgan saw it that way too mm-hmm Together, they proceeded to the end of Big Bend Road, where the asphalt turns to gravel and dead ends by the woods. These are suburban-type woods, not the state park variety, scrubby and weedy and thick with brush. The Les Paul Parkway and a Walmart are just on the other side, less than a mile away. Hide-and-seek was a haphazard affair. Morgan counted first, and Anissa and Peyton hid. Anissa tried to tackle Peyton, but could not hold her down. It was then that Morgan gave Anissa the knife, but Anissa handed it back, saying she was too squeamish. While they talked, Peyton was crouched down in the dirt, playing with flowers. I'm not going to until you tell me, Morgan said. Anissa says she started to walk away, and when she had gone about five feet, she stopped and turned. Kitty now, she said. Go ballistic. Go crazy. Anissa heard Morgan say, don't be afraid. I'm only a little kitty cat. Then Morgan pushed Peyton over and stabbed her 19 times in her arms and legs but also puncturing her stomach, her liver, and her pancreas, and barely missing a major artery near her heart. Stabby Absolutely terrifying to imagine. Like, imagine you're hanging out with your friends, and they're acting kind of weird, but not that weird, because they're already a little bit weird. And then one of them says, don't be scared, I'm only a little kitty cat, and then stabs you 19 times. Yeah. <laughs> um. Because that takes a while, you guys. That takes a long time to get... I mean, not that long, but like in the grand scheme of things, you can get shot 19 times in about a second. You can get stabbed 19 times in, I don't know, 30, 40 seconds, yeah. maybe a minute. Like, it's a... Hey, you, real quick, take a knife and try to stab a thing that's fighting you back 
nineteen times as quick as you possibly can. <laughs> no, no, no. no. <laughs> pick a pick a woodland animal like a cat. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, don't do that. But seriously though, think about how hard that would be if someone is actively trying to get away from you and you're stabbing them. Yeah. Trying to fight them and hold them down at the same time. That's a lot of stabs. That's a long time to be terrified. So stabby, stab, stab, stab is how Morgan recalled it. I didn't feel like anything, she said during her interview with police, making a vague, loose stabbing gesture with her left hand. It was like air. Peyton screamed and screamed, I hate you, I trusted you. She tried to get up and walk. She wobbled, though. And that's when Anissa took her by the arm and steered her deeper into the woods and told her to lie down. Weir told the victim to lie down because the blood will come out slower. Morgan tried to dress Peyton's wound with a leaf. Weir and, Ge and Geyser. Then, Shock will do mm, crazy things to your mind, guys. Yeah. Weir and Geyser then told Lautner that they would go get help. But instead simply left washing up in the sinks in the Walmart bathroom filling their water bottles there. Then they wandered around Waukesha for a couple of hours, crying and singing and wilting in the heat, until they were picked up by police as they sat in the grass near the entrance to the interstate. Meanwhile, Peyton began the life-and-death struggle to reach help, struggling through the woods until she collapsed on the edge of a road nearby. Greg Steinberg was riding his bike that Saturday morning, according to reports. Fuck yeah, Greg Steinberg, the hero of this story. Mm-hmm. He took a route that through the brush that was chained off and then happened to ride by Peyton, who was lying in a grassy area, after crawling out of the thicker woods where she was stabbed. She stopped him asking, can you help me please? I've been stabbed multiple times. Steinberg immediately called 911 and offered her some water. On the call, he can be heard comforting Peyton, saying, honey, he's coming. They'll be here any minute. Soon after, an ambulance arrived. Peyton was rushed to the hospital and immediately taken into surgery. Two wounds were, a ma were to major organs. One missed a major artery of her heart by less than a millimeter, and another went through her diaphragm, cutting into her liver and stomach. According to the attending surgeon, the stab to the major artery actually went through the membrane around the artery. Jesus Christ. One more millimeter, the, the width of a human hair, and Peyton would have bled to death in the woods within minutes. Peyton left the hospital seven days later and has physically recovered from her attack. Once Anissa and Morgan were brought in for questioning, they were interrogated separately, and almost immediately their stories began to differ. Of course they did. In Anissa's account, Morgan proposed that they kill Peyton to become proxies sometime around late December or early January. I didn't want to do it, she said, but later I didn't want to leave Morgan all by herself out there because I thought it would be cool to prove the skeptics wrong. In her interview, Morgan speaks far less about Slenderman than Anissa does, and she characterizes Anissa as the architect of the plan to murder Peyton. She made it seem necessary, and I figured that it, if it was necessary, then I would, Morgan said. In Anissa's telling, it was Morgan with the vision. We were going to be like lionesses chasing down a zebra, Anissa told police. Either way, they did not deny that they had attacked Peyton. And while Anissa occasionally showed emotion, Morgan's interrogation showed very little sympathy or sadness, even going as far as dancing around the interrogation room when the police officer left. At one point in the interview, she asks the officer, do you know what happened to Bella, using her nickname for Peyton? Who's Bella? She was asked. Just my friend. She's the one that was stabbed. Is she dead? 
I don't know, the officer responded. She was taken to the hospital. Morgan reacts to the news with noticeable surprise. I was just wondering. Through the whole exchange, her voice never wavers, staying calm and almost dreamlike. In the HBO documentary Beware the Slenderman, Morgan's mother relates the fact that as a younger child, Morgan never showed emotion to things that normally made children sad, telling the story of Morgan watching the movie Bambi for the first time. When Bambi's mother is killed, instead of being sad, Morgan shouted, Run, Bambi! Save yourself! It was later discovered that Morgan suffered from schizophrenia like her father, who was on disability because of his schizophrenia. Mm. Initially, Anissa and Morgan were going to be tried as adults for their crimes. The first round of hearings dealt with this fact. In the end, it was decided that the two would stand trial as adults due to the extreme nature of the crimes. Mm, I'm not sure if I agree with that, but I'm not a law person. Morgan Geyser was diagnosed by several mental health experts with schizophrenia and oppositional defiant disorder, which would require her to be involved in long-term mental health treatment. According to an older appeal filed in the case... In her case in 2016, the experts testified at her trial. Despite the necessary necessity for uh, early treatment, Geyser has consistently refused medication to combat the symptoms of her illness. Instead, she prefers to continue to reside in the fictional world that she has operated in and have contact with fictional characters that she's had contact with in the past. Geyser experienced hallucinations since she was a very young child, but was not diagnosed with schizophrenia or given mental health treatment, according to a 2019 appeal. Weir introduced Geyser to Slenderman, who she seemed to recognize from an early hallucination. When Geyser was a toddler, she thought that a man bearing some similarity to Slenderman's character had visited her, the appeal said. When she saw the Slenderman silhouette, she recognized that as the man who had visited her throughout the year since she was three or four. Of course, Slenderman had never actually visited Geyser, the interactions with her hallucinations and a byproduct of her mental illness. But Geyser's mental health, mental illness was then unknown, undiagnosed and untreated. Her hallucinations persisted throughout her youth and Geyser came to accept them as reality. She thus was ill-equipped for her first encounter with the Slenderman legend and unable to understand the character as fictional. To Geyser, Slenderman was real. Her continuing encounters with the legend's various internet iterations did nothing to stifle that belief. After all, much of the internet lore about Slenderman takes the form of first-person accounts and found footage detailing real-life experiences with Slenderman. Geyser was determined to be be incompetent to proceed to trial by a Wisconsin Circuit Court on August 1, 2014. She regained the competency to proceed to trial on December 18, 2014. Geyser was charged as an adult because of the lower court hearing which determined that there was probable cause showing the girl committed attempted first-degree murder or imperfect self-defense because she believed she was protecting herself and her family from fictional character Slenderman. Okay, I formed my opinion now. Okay. I feel like I disagree with them being tried as adults kind of heavily, especially given the fact that if she was having hallucinations at three or four years old, how... In the world, like adults are tried based on the fact that they knowingly committed a crime. How can you say she knowingly committed a crime when she lived in a world, her whole actual reality was a supernatural being is going to kill my family, potentially. Like she lived in a world of magic and monsters. You can't judge her actions in the same 
way that you judge an adult's actions, especially because she has undiagnosed mental health issues that are very serious. Schizophrenia is a serious mental health problem. Like it's, and especially if it's untreated, it can get real bad. That's, you can't expect a 12 year old to combat that with no knowledge or help or anything. You know what I'm saying? That's a lot. Yeah, I, I I kind of agree with you. There. Yes, it's a heinous crime. Yes, they probably should have spent some time in like a detention facility. But more than that, she probably should have gotten some mental health the most. You're gonna, we're gonna get to their uh, sentencing. Sentencing. Thank you. Her lawyers also agreed that some of the statements she made to investigators shortly after the stabbing should have been suppressed. She was questioned by police while in custody for seven and a half hours. She was not permitted to speak to her parents, who would come to the police station to check on her. She had no legal knowledge. She was a child, and she suffered from severe mental disorders. Yep. She was initially deemed incompetent to stand trial, but that decision was later reversed after she gained some knowledge of the legal system. Whether a barely 12-year-old severely mentally ill person who was disallowed parental support during a custodial interrogation... Hmm. It's like our justice system is broken. (laughs) Suffering from active delusions and hours earlier attempting to kill under the true belief that it would protect her from a fictitious character can knowingly, intelligently, and voluntarily waive their constitutional rights to which she is entitled in a criminal proceedings when, still three weeks later, she is found not to understand those basic rights, the appeal said. Thank you. The verdict for Geyser was guilty, but not guilty, due to mental disease slash defect. Geyser was sentenced to 40 years in a mental institution with the ability to appeal every six months. Anissa Weir was also found guilty, but not guilty, due to mental disease slash defect. She was sentenced in December 2017. Court records say that the state requested the maximum amount of institutional care of 25 years and that Ms. Weir take all prescribed medications. This is the other girl. Yeah, Annalisa. Yeah, Anissa. Anissa. The defense requested institutional care until Ms. Weir's 25th birthday. In October 2019, the Wisconsin Department of Corrections confirmed to- So was it 25 years or until her 25th birthday? It was, it ended up being her 25th birthday. So 13 okay, years. Okay, okay, gotcha. So she got the max of 25, but it ended up being 13. Right. Gotcha. Uh, in October of 2019, the Wisconsin Department of Corrections confirmed to Heavy, which I guess is a news organization, neither Mrs. Weir nor Mrs. Geyser are in the custody of the Wisconsin Department of Corrections. The State Department of Health Services wrote, under patient privacy laws, we cannot confirm or deny whether a specific individual was at one of our facilities or offer any other information. She has agreed to remain in a state mental institution for at least three years before seeking release on community supervision. If released, Weir will remain under state supervision until the year 2039, when she will be 37 years old. Hmm. She was transported to the Winnebago Mental Health Institute at sentencing. In a video... During her sentence hearing, she said, I want everyone involved in this to know that I do hold myself accountable for this and I will do whatever I have to to make sure that I don't make any sort of delusion or whatever again. I want everyone to know I deeply regret everything that happened that day. You regret it? Yeah, I regret it. Shut up. (laughs) Peyton Lautner, now 18, plans to attend college next year and pursue a career in in the medical field. 
a goal she believes was inspired by what happened to her. She still sleeps with a pair of broken scissors under her pillow just in case, and has advice, has advice for parents whose children might not understand the difference between what is real and fake online. Parents need to talk to their kids directly, she said. This is not real. This is fake. And that is the story of the Slenderman stabbings. That's actually very harrowing to think about. Like, I mean, like I said, just imagine that you are being stabbed for a significant enough period of time for someone to recall that you repeatedly yelled, I hate you, I trusted you, over and over and over again. Right. That's a lot of time. That's a lot of time to be that scared. Yeah. Like, man, that just goes to show you, like, untreated mental illness can be a serious problem, man. Yeah. Along with, like, and I get it, like, these these creepypastas and legends and stuff, they're supposed to be fun. Right. They're supposed to be a little bit mysterious. Yeah. And maybe it's real. But then you, you really... I don't know if you have to keep it in mind or if you don't, because that's like it's up to your morals or whatever. But like, I wish people would keep in mind that occasionally there's going to be a twelve-year-old who thinks that she needs to kill her friend or else the Mothman will kill her family or something. Like, right. you know, Godzilla is going to come and destroy my town unless I cut my cat's foot off. That's some shit that people that can happen. It does happen. You have to keep shit like that in mind when, well, I mean, I guess you don't necessarily, but I wish you would keep it in mind when you're trying to share these things around and trying to make fun, interesting content and stories is one thing, but feeding into the delusions of others is another. And I guess you have to keep, you know, there's no way really to predict how that's going to work. You right. Know? Yeah. Because for every thousand people, you know, that think you know, that no, this story isn't real. There's people out there that will, mm-hmm. especially something like the Slenderman, which was built up and built up with quote unquote new stories. And yep. I mean, for someone who has already has a tenuous grip on reality, yep, it can tend to. And that's the thing too, is like, you know, you could say the same thing about video games or books or movies. It's people who have certain types of, untreated mental illnesses undiagnosed untreated they don't know about them they just that's how their world works you're gonna get some people who do some violent things because they believe in what they've seen on tv or on the news or on a creepypasta website or in a book about the movie adaptation book for spider-man 2 or whatever it doesn't matter what it is they might do some violent things based on the story that they read because it like this girl it seems to me as though what what happened was this girl morgan yeah was you know was having hallucinations from a young age uh you know having been unlucky enough to have you know gotten schizophrenia probably hereditarily yeah her dad had it right so you know so she's got a hereditary mental illness that is undiagnosed, that nobody knows that she has this right now. Right. So now she's seeing like night terrors and hallucinations and whatever of of a vaguely humanoid skinny person. And then because ideas are ethereal, someone else, you know, a few years later makes a creepy 
fun, what did you say, it was a school project? It was, uh, no, it was a contest on somethingawful.com. Right, so like an, on an online contest specifically to make something creepy, they chose the image of, <laughs> wonder of wonders, tall, skinny, creepy man. Do you have any idea how many monsters in fiction are just tall, skinny, creepy man? <laughs> with variations of faces look up the happy face man he's yeah. slender man but he's got a face carved in him that's it like literally so the point is you never know how this stuff is gonna affect people but you just do have to try to at least be careful you know and i guess the biggest thing you can do is make sure your friends are okay and that everybody's version of reality lines up pretty fucking well you know what i'm saying yeah. like that's basically all we get to do. And and the thing is, everything I read, they didn't really uh, delve too much into Anissa's mental. Ability. Yeah, she got the same verdict, though, which means to me she must have had a similar. Yeah, I think hers was more, though, because in the, was it the I think it was in the Slenderman Beware the Slenderman documentary on HBO, which you can see on YouTube. It's. Uh, if you type in Slitterman stabbings or Waukesha stabbings somewhere, you'll find it's like almost two hours long. But they showed like um, videos that she had saved on YouTube. And it was videos of like a woman and her son who had a pet marmoset. I think that was it, some kind of cat. I don't remember. Like a, not a regular house cat, but like a, like a weird cat. Yeah. And the video was them feeding a mouse, a live mouse to the cat. They put it in the bathtub and the cat chased it and pawed it and that was the video and she watched stuff like that and you know she would take um are you a psychopath test on youtube and mm -hmm. comment oh i totally scored you know 100 percent. that's me so i mean there was something with her but i think hers was more it wasn't schizophrenia there was just some kind of some kind of mental yeah something you know any kind of mental disorder if untreated can lead to some bad bad stuff Right. Whether that be violence to yourself or to others or to property or to your own, you know, mental abuse, it doesn't matter. Untreated mental illness leads to bad things, period, right. period, period. And it is a good thing that they ended up, their sentencing ended up being mental facility instead of prison. I'm, I've been in mental facilities, Don. Yeah. And I don't know if that's true. Oh, really? Because I've been in jail, too, and they're very similar. I've never been in a mental... The, been in listen, jail. I'll be honest. The guards in the mental facility are much nicer. You can, like, talk to them. Yeah. That's it. Oh. Bed's comfortable. More <laughs> more comfortable. Barely. I do have permanent back problems because of mental health facilities. But, um, you know, it's way better than sleeping on a bunk bed that's three feet too short. So... <laughs> So that is pretty much, that's our first episode, everybody. Um, just trying to get our feet wet on this one. It's a different route than the other podcasts we do. Um, so we wanted to see how it goes. And like I said, eventually we will have a third person if uh, his life ever allows him to. But uh, until then, we want to thank you for joining us on these dark streets of two towns over. And Hashtag, you know. <laughs> 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 I wonder if that'll translate to because there were some there were some looks to make that better for Don. You guys didn't get to see it, but <laughs> but anyways, mm -hmm. so this was our first episode, and uh, we hope you come back and visit the town real soon. And yeah, have a great day. Come see us again on our spoopy missions. I've been Ruben. I've been Don. This has been Two Towns Over. Bye. Bye.